1: For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/slash/StarTalk. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/slash/StarTalk today.
2: Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm Bill DeGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. And today we're going to do a Cosmic Queries. A Cosmic Queries with Mary Roach. If you don't know about her, you will by the end of this broadcast. I'll tell you that right now. But first, let me introduce my guest co-host for this episode, Paul Mercurio. Paul, always good to have you back, dude.
3: Uh, It's always great to be back. Great to see you. So
2: you're an Emmy and Peabody Award winner for your work on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart.
3: Yes, yes. You've got
2: comedy chops that are like authentic and bona fide and with street cred.
3: Well, they're not—they're his awards. I took them from his office. Right <laughs> but they're mine. They're mine now. He had plenty of others. Yeah. Uh, he do, he won't yeah. miss it. Yeah, he's a tiny man. I wrestled him to the ground and took them from him. Uh, yeah, no, we uh, we um, yeah, we got we got some awards for a bunch of kooky young guys just kind of messing around, and they uh, yeah, it was crazy. Just so, so yeah, congratulations it it, and thanks for thank sharing
2: you. some of that sort of comedic wisdom and insight with us. On thank Star you. Talk.
3: Thanks. So, as you know,
2: Cosmic Queries, you're going to be bringing in questions to ask of our guest, Mary Roach. Mary, how the hell are you? It's been too long.
4: I know. It's been way too long. I'm fine. I'm
2: good. I'm still alive. You've been on the show a couple of times. Uh, One time we talked about uh, uh, packing for Mars, getting ready for a Mars trip, but you're still here, so you you didn't go on that one. Uh, <laughs> I was worried.
4: And, uh, I'm, I'm on a waiting list. <laughs> waiting <you know>. list.
2: <laughs> then one time we would talk about dead people, and then another one was uh-huh. about like sex, and uh-huh. then uh and then one on on war and human and so just and plus you like these one word titles. So your latest one word title is fuzz, and I have no idea what that means.
4: Fuzz was my original title, because fuzz, police, fuzz, fuzzy animals, get it?
2: Oh no, yeah, I didn't know. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, I completely didn't right. get that. Okay.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I love that
3: I love the titles of your chapters too. They're very clever. Like On the Road Again and uh Killing with Kindness. Yeah,
4: yeah. here's one uh that I bet nobody got. Um well mall cops. Hopefully people got M A U L. Mall right. Cops. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh and there was okay, there was one about that uh, we were counting cougars out in the boonies in California. So I called it mercurial cougars because they're, you know, stealthy and hard to see. But that, right. I'm relying on people knowing that there was a car, the Mercury Cougar. Okay, how many people? Oh, I didn't get that see? part. You yeah. didn't get that. I'm
3: such a narcissist. I thought it was a play on my name. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, uh, am I am I getting any royalties on this book? So
2: so what you've done here, Mary, it's it from, tells me that you've, you, you've taken laws of civilization as we know it, and then yes. applied them to animals to see which animals in nature would break laws. Were they doing that in our civilization? Is that a fair characterization of your book?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because animals are—I uh, uh, mean—they're e- e- basically just being animals. You know, they're—they got to eat, they got to crap, and they got to find a place to live. And but the, and, uh, so they're not really. To them, it's not criminal behavior, but they're doing it by breaking and entering, by trespassing, uh, and sometimes by killing people. So, you know, you got murder, manslaughter, home invasion with bears, you got trespassing, you got littering, vandal, uh, jaywalking. I got a chapter on jaywalking deer and moose, which kill a lot more people than bears or lions put together. That is mountain lions. So...
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you mean wait, 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 wait. You mean deer don't wait for the green light to cross the street? Is that
4: really? <laughs> do You remember? Do you remember? There's this woman named Donna who calls a. She called some Midwest radio show. She goes, "I've got something to talk about. I'm really annoyed. I've been in two or three uh, incidents where I've, I've hit or nearly hit deer, and and that people are putting the deer crossing signs in these places where there's a lot of traffic." Why would they encourage the deer to cross in this dangerous place? <laughs> <laughs> and like the host is there, is like silence. And he's like, "It sounds like you're thinking the signs are telling the deer where to cross. <laughs> anyway, well, everybody. Well, everybody
3: knows that deers can't. The deer can't read, but they can. They can decipher symbols. Everybody knows that. So
4: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, and they, they have the image of the deer, so they recognize that, and they're like, "Oh, cross here." Well,
3: in your jaywalking chapter, you talk about deer and you talk about how swerving from deers have caused as many or more deaths as actually hitting the deer. Yeah. Unless it's like, we we were going through Wyoming, uh, uh, my wife and another couple, and we were in a huge Lincoln town car that we rented. I don't know why. We hit a deer and we didn't, it was a big deer and it hit the windshield and flipped over. And you mentioned that. These lo- moose especially will go through the windshield and that's when things really get dicey for people.
4: Yeah, the, the, uh, the tall animals, like a moose or an elk or um, what's the other one I'm thinking, camel. Serious issues in, in Saudi Arabia with camels. Because uh, what happens, you hit you, the driver, you hit the animal in the legs rather than, you know if it's a shorter animal, you'd hit the torso. So the legs go out from under and they cartwheel over. And if it's a tall enough animal, like this moose with the antler and there that comes through the windshield, hit, you know, lands on your head. And so there's like some crazy amount of paralysis or death from hitting a tall animal. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, wait.
4: wait. Don't do it. Camels, I I can't
2: picture camels hiding in the bushes and then running out unannounced. (laughs) This is, the, the terrain is not the same where you have deer where you don't even know the deer is there. How are you gonna miss a camel? How, how's that going? Oh, yeah, I've, they,
3: I've, yeah. I mean, I've seen them in the low, Lower East Side of Manhattan. They just jump out. <laughs> they, they just hide jump. behind, like, yeah, they, they well, hide behind like, a mailbox. <laughs> boom, there's a camel. Like,
4: boom. Well, there was an issue. That's a very good point that you make, Neil. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Very good point. How do... I don't know. I can tell you, though, that people uh, going on those roads through the desert, because there's no curves and there's nothing to hit, they, people speed like a mother. They're going fast. So the camel you know, it just takes a a left turn when you're not expecting it. And suddenly it's in the roadway, I guess. But I will say there was in Saudi Arabia, they had a law whereby if a person hits a camel and and kills it, the driver, even though the driver's probably now paralyzed in a wheelchair, the driver has to pay the camel owner for the the loss of the camel. And so some of the camel owners would encourage would the sort of like encourage the camels onto the road so as to get the money. That was a whole oh, thing. Wow. And it's in wow. a journal article like the Saudi Journal of Medicine or I forget what, look in my back of so my if,
3: if you're a camel and you're getting older, you better look over your shoulder because your <laughs> owner's gonna be like <laughs> really- Somebody exactly. pushing you out into the street. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to get off the track too much. But if you don't mind, before we get to the queries, in that same chapter, you talk about how technology evolution of the animals can't keep up with technology. That's yes. why speeding cars they can't get out of the way. But they have this innate ability, which is FID. Is the diff, if, uh, yes, exactly uh, FID, which I, I was
4: saying FID, and I got corrected. Um, but yeah, so yeah, animals uh, evolved this ability to look up from what they're doing, like say eating a carcass or whatever, or they're doing, and and to look at. Uh, they see a predator, and they're like, "Uh oh!" But they're able to calculate um, at what point do I need to flee? Like, how close can the predator come before I need to flee? Well, wait, wait, Mary, evolve,
2: Mary, yeah. Mary, how many animals mm-hmm. eating a carcass are being chased by a predator?
4: All right, you got your your vultures. You got your birds. Yeah, but who's carcass. chasing a vulture? Like nobody. Ah, uh, fox. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking. If, eats uh, meat. You have a, an who animal eats eats eat, meat.
2: eating berries, and then a predator comes. That's what I'm thinking. If I'm no, you're, if I'm mauling a carcass, I, 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 I'm there's probably very little out there I'm worried about. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. I'm not who gonna is? mess with that guy. He's eating a carcass.
4: He's eating
0: a carcass. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Who eats berries? Who uh, eats berries? A bear eats berries. Okay. Carcasses. See a carcass is, is like that's easy meat. You didn't even have to go and. Oh, oh so it's
2: not a carcass meat. that that you that
3: you were
4: responsible no. for. Okay, fine. But you, make, was, but you make but you make it
3: relatable right. to the city because you mentioned that was why you can never hit a car in a city with a pigeon, but you uh, hit a pigeon with a car because the pigeon instinctively knows. How how close that yeah. car is going to get, and then takes so, off, which is why right. I've been I've been flooring it at these pigeons my whole life, and I haven't yeah. been able to kill oh, one.
2: Can I? I got. Wait. I got a fast story. Can I tell a story? Can I tell a story? Okay.
3: So <laughs> okay, so,
2: Paul, so Paul. So okay. Paul, I've okay. been doing the same thing to great amazement. Okay, I was completely amazed that a, pigeons are street savvy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now watch. Okay. Now. All pigeons, they're like gray, okay? They're the same color as the pavement. They're gray pigeons. I was driving north on Broadway up near Columbia in Manhattan, and there was a white pigeon in the street. I'd never seen a white pigeon, okay, with other pigeons, but there was a white one. And I said, let me see if it can get out of the way if I speed up, like every other pigeon I've ever approached. So I sped up and... All the pigeons flew away and I didn't see the white pigeon. It wasn't anywhere and I looked back. I flattened the white pigeon and I thought, "Oh my gosh, I killed a pigeon." And then I thought, "That's why there're no white pigeons." <laughs> okay. I am an evolutionary force on the pi-
3: on the oh pigeons. My God.
4: Oh, like, all my the white god. ones oh, got my...
2: smashed.
3: The... <laughs> what, what is? It? Oh my god! Why couldn't they? Why don't they have the same uh, FID capability? I don't know. I, I said my one data point, and okay. I look back; it was just right. completely.
2: It was a fast death for it. But I, <laughs> then I felt bad. So anyway, Mary, I hand you that story.
4: Okay. Oh, all right. Here's okay. So here's what you sped up. This is the key element here. You sped up, and you surpassed the species' evolved ability to calculate the fin. That's so for damn sure I did on that one. Yes, you did. <laughs> and it happened, it happened to be the white one, and it was just a coincidence, and that's what happened. Because I don't
3: know, because I don't see... There yeah. ain't no white pigeons in, in Manhattan. No, uh, that white pigeon yeah. was known as the dumb pigeon in the group. That was a slower. <laughs> White pigeon can't jump. Whatever I I did something. To... <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's I, exactly I, 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 right, yeah. and that's the point of that chapter is that at, you, there's this. uh Was it the? You, well, they, did, they, it, they, they did a yeah. test at
4: 204 miles miles per hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miles so they're like you, you know up to you know what however fast a predator can run, they're like I got it. He's coming, now I gotta go. But they didn't evolve to you know they they look at a car as a predator, okay, and they're like, yeah, I can judge that, but the Uh, car's 60 miles an hour and they're like, whoops, splat.
3: So their processor is like a tandy computer. Exactly. Uh, the Commodore 64 would have... Exactly. Yeah, maybe that would have worked. <laughs> that's, that's what that white pigeon had. It had the Commodore 64 processor. You don't have a chance against Neil Tyson on Broadway, my little chickadee friend. Um, so we are yeah. we are at the end of this segment. We, uh, we'll jump to a little break here. And then no, we'll let's a, let's and slip in one, one. Let's get a question in. A just slip to, in one? Okay. To wet the let's appetite. Go ahead. Okay. This is from Chester Lipschultz. Dear science brains, you don't have to compliment me like that. <laughs> Seriously, I... Uh, Dear Science Brains, uh, is it possible that different species will be or have been driven to a point of unnatural alliances for their own survival in their human surroundings? Could we have created strange bedfellows that would otherwise not have happened if not for our dominance in the natural world? Mm. 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 Mary, why Mm. wouldn't that be like rats and mice
2: and other things that we've cohabitated with ever since? What
4: What was the question in there?
3: Uh, there's two parts. Uh, uh, is it possible that different species will be or have been driven to a point of unnatural alliances for their own survival in the human surroundings?
4: Unnatural alliances
3: in the... Uh... Well, there's coexistence, right? I mean... Like, so, Mary, presumably...
2: Well, well, well... Presumably well, rats yeah, well... and mice predate humans, let's say, or All some right. version of those rodents. But now rats are perfectly happy living among us. As They're commensal.
4: That's the that's the science brain word. They're commensal. They live with us,
2: right? Right, and and the mice yeah, they they yeah. love your barn, you know, and right, right. and they love living in your basement. And so, isn't that cohabitating?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that's what he was asking, but for sure, I mean, the animals that we that we find annoying, uh, that we call nuisance animals, are the ones that were smart enough to figure out we got the food, we got the warm place to live, uh, where gonna help them survive so i, th-
3: I, I think this yeah. person is asking essentially because the second part of it is could we have created strange bedfellows that we otherwise would not have ha- that otherwise would not have happened if if it weren't for our dominance in the natural world you know obviously we've encroached on sure you know sure. We, we
4: we now uh you know we've got ski resorts so we've gone into bear territory you know where there's okay. you know there's lots of food for bears and this is, this is where they hang out but now we're like there's a restaurant with a dumpster with all kinds of amazing, like, sustainably farmed sakuna salmon. And, you do, like, they so they're like, uh, um, uh, we're uh, going to go down uh, there at 3 a.m. because it's much better than a bunch of choke cherries and crab apples. Wait, 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 Paul, on. Paul, <laughs> Paul I, can,
2: I imagine two bears, and they're eating the leftover salmon. It wasn't, don't eat that. That wasn't free range. That was farmed.
3: <laughs> that was farmed. <laughs> this one. <laughs> you're an, one bear goes to you. you're an animal. You're <laughs> not gonna eat that. I, Yes, I am an animal, and I am going to eat. I just this. happen to be an uh, animal. I, 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 all right, we're going to wrap up this yeah, segment. Let, let we're let to take, a take a quick break. break, and when we
2: come back, more Star Talk Cosmic Queries with friend of Star Talk Mary Roach.
1: pxg.com slash talk code star-talk.
4: i'm joel cherico and i make pottery you can see my pottery on my website cosmicmugs.com cosmic mugs art that lets you taste the universe every day and i support star talk on patreon this is star talk with neil degrasse tyson
2: back star talk cosmic query we got mary roach who's her publisher just let her out of the cave one more time for, (laughs) for her next book uh when nature breaks the law i got paul mercurio with me uh paul how do we find you on social media
3: uh, at Paul Mercurio uh, all across the board just real simple okay, and, and, uh, and, my, and, my, uh, and my podcast the Paul Mercurio show you can check me out there oh, too yeah, which you've been yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: and who you came, came up on. with that as a title for your podcast
3: well <laughs> we uh, you know we spent a lot of time I yeah, yeah, hired a research and, 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 a and marketing yeah. firm <laughs> I brought in Donnie Deutsch from MSNBC, and he worked the numbers and said... <laughs> and you focus. on... Okay. T- I know, it's a tie. I know, I don't like the... I can't come up with okay, a good right, name. I'll help you. We'll work on it together, all right? All right. All right, Mary, you're very good with, like, play on words. Mary, and, yeah, talk to Mary. Talk to Mary. Yeah, like, talk to
4: Mary. Mary, yeah. Mary. Three, talk to Mary. Mary's all. got the titles nobody understands. I got a book, Bonk. I had so many people go, you know what? I think it's Boink, not Bonk. Like, I have a typo in my own title. So many people... And I would do book, I'd do book talks, and I would have a little peel and stick letter I. I'd be like, if you want it to be boink, <laughs> here you go. That's all make it boink. The bonk was all about sex, yeah. if
2: I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Bonking, right? Bonking.
2: Right, oh. right. so I'm
4: right. like, no, it's boinking. Okay, <laughs> oh. So when we left off,
2: someone asked about sort of the symbiosis that might unfold with animals encroaching on our t- turf or we encroaching on theirs. And because I told my pigeon story earlier, but I thought a lot about pigeons. And I looked them up in the book and everything. And they have an actual name. They're called rock doves. And they, right. that, that species lives in canyons where they swoop down and up against the, the rock walls that surround them. And that's exactly what tall buildings are in New York City and Manhattan. They're the rock canyons. And so they adapted beautifully to it, except for when they fly head on into the glass. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I don't mean laugh, but that, yeah, well, that doesn't work. They did no, look, pigeons don't have eye care plans, so they, they you know, they can't afford glasses, <laughs> they don't know where they're going.
0: And
4: you know what, bird always does that? It's the cedar waxwings. We every single year they go, and there's, there's these berries in somebody's property in the next house over, and they eat the berries. And this is what I'm told that they get drunk and they're flying in a group, and uh, they either they're getting drunk, or it's like the blue angels where you got. You got the main person, and they're all just following the main guy. So the ones on the edge are like funk. So oh, it's geez. one of those two things: uh, okay. mm.
3: drunk and following the leader. That's not a way but to but live. But you know it.
4: what, pigeons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, know.
2: You want to be drunk and follow no one,
3: right? Just, just exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just wander, just wander into your. Uh, Mary, so, so
4: yeah, pigeons. I have to say, I just read some because I had a blurb of this book about pigeons by Joe Mancuso or something. So pigeons are actually, they were domesticated and they escaped. So these are, they're basically feral animals that, that they e- evolved in the presence of humans. They're, they're, so th- they hang around with us because they always hung around with us. So that's why we can never get rid of pigeons. Oh, there's the right. a
2: specific I mean, if, variety, i say, that we have. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, if there yeah, weren't yeah, the yeah,
3: scraps yeah. of food in a city like New York, for example... Would the pigeons be as plentiful? Would there be as many pigeons if I mean, there's just no,
4: no, no. Yeah, they they go where the food is, but they're but they you know, go where the food is, and they're they're not as afraid of people. You know, you know you who loves there? pigeons is falcons. They're short fib.
2: <laughs> they introduced falcons oh, yes. into Manhattan. Oh yes. <laughs> my gosh! I was I, yes. <laughs> I was when I was getting my PhD at Columbia. I, I was they put the astronomers at the top floors of the building, so the roof was like you know six feet above my window. And there were these feathers just dropping off the side of the building. Oh. And, I, and, I, and I looked out, and, I went, looked up, and there's this falcon just ripping apart a pigeon, and it's like, this his lunch. And I thought to myself, my gosh, if, if you're a falcon and you move to New York, th- your fat lunches are just sitting there
3: for the taking,
2: <laughs> all in the park. And you don't even have to work for it.
3: Man. The Falcons are like, I can't go back to New York. Every time I go to that city, I put on like 20 pounds. <laughs> 20 pounds. <laughs> and I got to work out for like six months. I am not going back to that city. So 20 pounds of pigeon. <laughs> exactly. Plus, I got to compete with Neil Tyson. He's killing pigeons. I'm killing pigeons. <laughs> <No.
5: laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, All right, Paul, give we do me more a questions. Quick, a what do you prayer? have? Sure. This is uh, Nicholas Godlove, which is an awesome last name. My passion alongside my dream of being a marine biologist, a scientist, is to educate the public on the importance of apex predators and our respectful relationship with them. Why is it that certain humans demolish and hunt these species? Uh, I'll start, I'll stop there. There's more to this question, but let's take it in What do we have against apex predators,
5: Mary?
4: Uh, well, the, um, the apex predators are the ones that are very good at, uh, you know, let's take a mountain lion. They're very effective killers. They love to kill deer, but they'll also kill you know, small cows and sheep and other things that you might be keeping and using for your livelihood. So, anytime you mess with somebody's livelihood, you know, say if you're a sheep herder, or you're a rancher, or even if you're somebody who keeps chickens in your backyard. And most of the people requesting kill permits in California um, are people with just uh, a few chickens or goats in their backyard. They're not big ranches. We don't have a lot of that. But who so eats the goats? Be- I guess
2: the mountain lions eat the goats.
4: The mountain lions eat the goats or, or chickens or pets too. Uh, so that uh, if people have an emotional attachment to their own animals. They're sort of an extension of themselves and their family and they get very upset. And they uh, instead of taking action like building a better nighttime enclosure or uh, trimming back the brush so there's not a place for the mountain lion to kind of sneak up, which it, it needs to do when it's hunting, they just call someone and say get rid of it, or they t- shoot it themselves. So
2: well, that's because it's America. What's
4: going on? There's America, yeah, and we were founded on
2: if if shooting it can solve the problem, you do that first.
4: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. these animals are varmints. They're varmints. <laughs> yeah, you don't you when don't you, box
2: them in. You don't put a perimeter. You know, you shoot it.
3: You shoot it and walk away and have lunch. It's easy right. and simple This right? it, so is the American thing. In, in your book, you have this chapter A "Spot of Trouble," which. It, this question sort of reminds me of that you, you're really great in the book of doing these causal connections. And in that case, in the middle Himalayas, uh, after the 1918 pandemic, and there were all of these corpses and they couldn't cremate so many of them, they were throwing the bodies basically down the hill toward and the, the Ganges. Yes. They, and, the, yeah, and the leopards got used to human meat and made them more aggressive towards humans, Whoa. which I thought was utterly fascinating. But speaks that, yeah, to... that is
4: the theory yep right
3: <laughs> yeah. sort of uh Jim Corbett right brings that there so yeah. it's sort of like there's this why are we attacking these animals well we made them more comfortable it's just right. part of us have to own the fact that we created this problem right
4: yeah and the other yeah the other thing going on there is uh so many people have left the villages up in the middle of himalaya uh, they used to farm they used to terrace and farm and right. it, that's a really hard way to farm you know to get water there and you gotta know, like carve out the mountainside and a lot of people have left for the cities. So a lot of the, they call it rewilding. There's uh, the brush has grown back. There's not as many people tending the livestock. If you leave your livestock out there, you know, the leopards are going to come in. So, you know, they've got fewer people. They, often children are are tending to things. And you know, most of the, the, you know, 41% of the kills by these leopards are kids. So uh, we've, we've presented opportunity, good hunting opportunities for uh, these leopards. Yeah.
2: I see. So. It's uh, I will shoot them because otherwise they will eat me. I mean that's the rationale, I guess. That
4: yeah, yeah. that is that is uh, you know their their family members are getting killed and uh, they don't wait for the government to do something about it. They take they trap them and kill them themselves. Sometimes yeah. Um,
3: and, actually, there's a there's a query about rewilding. Can I jump oh, to yeah, that? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a new word, Car- it,
2: rewilding. I like that.
3: Yeah, Carrie Manaberg. Uh, my question is about rewilding. Some people think that a parcel of disturbed land, either urban or rural, can be a beautiful natural forest if we just simply leave it alone. I take the position that the land must be heavily managed by conservationists and friends in order to ensure a successful project. We must develop long range plans. Which do you think is the best approach? So do you leave it alone or do you sort of be proactive? This is in an
4: urban area?
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, oh. you know, your scenario that you talk about in the book around these sort of plateaus on the hill where it got so difficult right, to find right. people—you abandon right. plateaus. But I guess, sort of in a general sense, the question is: Do you do you let it sort of reestablish itself naturally, or do you are you proactive in some conservation? Like,
4: I'm not sure how you would, like, introducing animals or culling culling animals that are in there. Uh, if I were to vote, I'd, I'd
3: vote
2: just let it do whatever nature wants to do with it, and it'll figure something out. It'll, you know...
4: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if the... Yeah, i don't, I'm not sure if the concern is that it's going to attract a kind of animal that you don't want in an urban setting, whether you're going to have too many rodents or you're... I'm, I'm not... I don't know because I'm not a, a land management, wildlife management, urban area person at all. But uh, so, again, I don't... <laughs> really, I don't <laughs> I would say if you look yes. at forests
2: and other heavily vegetated areas that required no help from humans, uh, I think if nature wants to grow something in your in your in your empty lot, it's gonna it's gonna do it. And 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 have you driven by sort of abandoned old diners or something? And there's grass growing through <laughs> the cracks of <laughs> the, the parking cock, yes, lot exactly. and on the steps. Yes. And, you know, give it another couple of years, and you're not even going to see the diet See the, din- the, the it's diner. It's going to be a giant shrub. Right, right. It's just, it's just going to be a shrub. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and, and that's after just a couple of years. And you realize that when you see something that's highly manicured, somebody's working on that sucker every day, beating yeah. back the weeds yeah. and, the,
4: and trimming the grass. Well, you have that. Uh, I did talk about New Zealand in, in the book. And New Zealand, if you think of New Zealand as a really, really big vacant lot— <laughs> which for the Mm -hmm. purposes of this question uh, you have a situation where the wildlife didn't have natural land predator the birds there and and it didn't have natural land predator so they're flightless a lot of them are flightless not all of them so uh, now comes uh, a bunch of rabbits were brought in rabbits overpopulated people thought hey let's bring in ferrets and stoats to kill the rabbits well the stoats are like you know what, the rabbits are not bad, but I'm really digging these eggs and these little, chick- <laughs> these little chickeny things. These are really good. So the populate, like all these bird species and reptile species are now gone because the stoats and the uh, ferrets and the feral cats that were also introduced to kind of like control the rabbits, they've all gone out, you know, out of control. So now New Zealand is like, hey, uh, we're headed towards a point where all we have is rats, which were from ships, um, feral cats stoats and possums and that's going to be it We've, we're losing hundreds of our own really cool species so you know that's a land management conservation issue where yeah somebody early on should have gone let's think this through this whole stoat thing yeah and people hardly. <laughs> Maybe that's think not a...
2: things through as much as they need to
3: you know you raise a good point in the book about that because that faced you you talk about sort of it's hard. you say it's hard to know where to draw the lines, what to save and at what cost, because then they started wiping out the stoats and the feral cats, and you're like, well, okay, who are we to decide what species to eliminate, what species to save? And so there's this, it's an unanswerable dilemma, right, on some right. level?
4: Right, and also you're talking about um, where do you, I mean, the landscape is always evolving. Like the guy that was talking about, there's people who, because deer were also introduced for the hunters to hunt. And the deer are—they're uh, complaining. The deer are browsing the understory in the forest. So people are like, "Get rid of the deer." But his <laughs> point was, you know what? We used to have moas, these giant flightless birds that ate the understory. So you're talking about the pre-moa—you know—this version of New Zealand that is, you know, one period in time, uh, and, and idealizing this one, uh, mm-hmm. this one snapshot of evolution and, and um, species interaction. So anyway, it's, uh, it's a tough call to One make. One thing I've noticed
2: that. from the evolution of species on Earth is that nothing is ever constant. And we want right. to think of it, you know, it, from a conservationist standpoint, we think to ourselves, oh, let us stabilize the environment so that yet if you look through the history of things, it has never been stable, ever. And right. things are what we think of as right. balance it might be over a short period of time, but over a long enough period of time, nothing's in balance. Continental yeah. drifts, you strand species, you the, the, the climate changes not as quickly as we're currently changing the climate, but it has happened in the past. So, yeah, yeah. The only thing that's constant is yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. Love that sentence. It's not spoken enough. Uh, Paul, we
3: might have quest- time for one more. Okay. Uh, this is Taylor Prim. Hey, Neil. Here's a question about hacking nature. Have there always uh, have there been ways humans have hacked nature so that both humans and our neighboring wildlife individuals benefit, too?
2: Wow. Mary, did you come across any of the, any examples of that?
4: Yeah, there's OK. Here's a here's an example that's kind of cool. Um, this is uh, I have a chapter on danger trees, which is a term that kind of cracks me up. Danger yeah. trees. It's kind of like danger mitten. <laughs> it's like, <laughs>
2: it's, a, the, it's a tree. So the danger trees are in the Wizard of Oz where they throw apples. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Actually, we are got to take a quick like, break. Yeah. When we come okay. back, we're going to learn All from right. Mary Roach about killer trees. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> On Star Talk, House of Aquarius. We're back. Start talking cosmic queries. So we left off with Mary. You were describing killer trees, or no, bad trees, or what was it? What
4: danger, kind of trees? danger, danger trees.
2: trees. Danger yeah, trees.
4: This okay. is this is an official term. This is terminology, scientific terminology. Okay. So a danger. All right. So danger trees. Um, okay. A danger tree is a tree. Yeah. That's it's a, a big tree that's very old. It's diseased. It's leaning. You can tell it's going to come down relatively soon with trees relatively is relatively soon could be 10 years, 20 years but anyway so it's scary enough that somebody has to come in and deal with it and when it's a really big tree, one of those giant redwoods or Douglas firs, what they do is they don't cut it down they they blast the top they climb up they insert uh, dynamite and they blow off the top so now it's more stable but it's such a big tree that it's still sort of beautiful and people go well, look at the giant beautiful tree but here's the thing. This is the hack that I'm getting to here because this is a question about hacks. So when you blow off the top, now you, you create this situation where water can collect there and you get top-down decay. So there's cavities formed that animals can uh, uh, go into and live in. So, so the, uh, biologists love these uh, trees that have been blown, the top's been blown off because it, it, it creates uh, habitats for other animals. Wait. So we
2: blow stuff up, and the biologists like it. Wow. In this case,
4: yes, they do. They do. They love it because uh, a dying, decaying tree creates lots of um, real estate for different species, and uh, the raptors like it because they're just bare, bare branches. There's no uh, uh, leaves and foliage. So does
2: it count? On Long Island, there are many places where they just people have built this perch with a big sort of flat surface at the top. And many of them ha- are, have bald eagles in these huge eagle nests. And so right. I'm thinking, doesn't the eagle know that like we did that?
3: And don't they have any dignity? <laughs> <Don't they? laughs> <laughs> They're sitting there, going to each other. Look at these idiots! They think we're buying into that. that looks like a tree. Yeah, <laughs> a
4: tree.
3: that's a that's a perfectly formed two by four from True Value. Right, right, of exactly. That is not a tree. But they
2: do have sight lines because we tend to put them out in the middle, and they like seeing what, what's coming. Not that eagles have predators, mind you, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, so, uh, uh, so I'm just wondering. I guess that that would that that would be the eagles convincing us that we should build their homes. That's what that is.
4: <laughs> that's like people bringing in, uh, um, you know, nest boxes for owls so that the owls would kill the rodents. You know, that, that's a, you know, biological pest control kind of deal. I'm not sure if that's the hack that the person is getting at here.
3: Tell people in, in this chapter, but it's, it's this chapter when when the woods come down. And tell, tell people about, like, I didn't realize that there was pine cones like this, the coulter pines and the durian trees and what they produce. And I'm afraid to walk in the woods now because of you. <laughs> Explain the what these pine, things
4: are. It dr- freaking drops bowling balls on people. These are, these are giant, heavy pine cones. And they'll put there are these signs that go, falling pine cone, proceed with caution. You know, like, who's going <laughs> to actually see that and go, Oh my God! Don't walk under that tree. But then, like people have been, and durian fruits similarly, bowling ball kind of deal, big football size but dense, heavy, plus spikes. There you go, Neil. Imagine yeah. you're ta- you're taking a walk, nice walk
3: in the day, and you hit in the head with a spiked fruit, and that's how you die. <laughs> Imagine that. That's not how you want to buy it. They're, that's
4: not- they're like, and there's like photographs in like the Indonesian newspapers, you know, every couple of years, like a guy lying there with like a bloody fruit next to his head. It's kind of tragic.
2: Yeah, if I die, I don't want to be because of a fruit assassin. I just, no. <laughs> you
3: my... a target of a fruit. But <laughs> well, you, well, you also say, Mary, that we're irrational in our uh, species-specific devotions, right? And talking yeah. about like, protect these trees, but these trees are killer trees. And, that you know, it's all sort of relative, right? The same thing with, like, yeah. the octopus. Somebody said that they don't want to kill an octopus because it's intelligent, but they'll eat pig and rats, which are also very intelligent. Like, there's yeah. this... I don't know if they're eating
4: up. the rats, but they're definitely eating the fish. know with, what kind of with, friends uh, you have
3: with the yeah. right barbecue sauce, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Probably
4: is pretty tasty. Exactly, you know? hey, Paul. Give me <laughs> some more. Uh,
3: uh, Jeff Johnson. Uh, with all the wildfires around the world, how much is that impacting wildlife, and what cascade effect does this have on the environment as a whole? Mm.
2: Yeah. Mary, does, does does wildlife just kill the animals or do the animals escape it and then they end up living somewhere else?
4: Um uh, apparently they're pretty I was talking to uh uh the guys doing the mountain lion project here in California where he's like doing a census of the whole state mountain lions and he said uh um they're pretty good at getting out of the way. Um and uh it's not like they're getting burned up. I know bear uh, there's been such bear I know there's been bears that have been burned because they're doing some sort of thing where they're using tilapia skin as a they're putting fish skin on the ferns on some bears i remember reading about that so at least one bear didn't get out of the way uh but um <laughs> but the thing i mean here's a you know there was this uh, i was out with this person who's doing a census of the uh mountain lions in the state we were up in modoc which is a huge swath of burned wilderness and i'm like they're looking for mountain lions here are you crazy it's just like a hellscape of charred sticks you know and he's like actually look more closely all these green shoots are coming up the green shoots are what the deer love because they're tender yummy you know they eat the that's what they do in your yard you know they eat the tender green shoots so uh stuff springs back to life the deer come in the mountain lions are like hell deer yeah this is great so it looks you know it looks like a dead zone but uh in fact it comes back fast and uh you have this um you know kind of Rush to take advantage. In not of decades;
2: that it comes back in years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. This was yeah. this was quick. This was
2: quick. So uh, that's so, just, so. It's not nature's first rodeo when stuff burns. Yeah,
4: exactly.
3: It's a yeah. process. It's mm-hmm. a
2: process.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. Hi, Paul. Give me more.
3: Chaz, Jenkarelli. Uh, I just read that around uh, that's cities the best with. Way dance. to
2: pronounce the, the man's Italian name.
3: Chaz Jenkarelli.
2: Hey, oh, uh,
4: yeah. <laughs> When we're done with
3: this, we're going to have a meatball parmesan, and you're going to like it uh, with a little side of spiked fruit. Okay, now you're getting Uh, racist, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, wait, I'm Italian. I can do it. it. I can do it all day. Uh, I just read that around cities and dense populations where high-calorie human scraps are more widely available and predators are fewer, it was discovered that most of the mammal species studied, such as coyotes and raccoons, Appear to be growing in size. What repercussions could we see from this? Mm.
4: Well, they—that's uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the more the more food animals get, uh, that even though there's something called compensatory reproduction, whereas there's like lots of food available, the uh, nature kind of takes advantage of that by uh, bigger broods, like the litters are bigger. Uh, and the gestation period shortens, uh, so with some animals, you just you, you know they're like, hey, plenty of food, let's have more, let's take advantage of this, and so you you see this population boom. And the extreme of that is in Australia with those massive mouse plagues. Just, I mean, you've seen there's there's a video from yeah, a the hundred years ago. The floor is a,
2: roiling with yes. mice. Yes,
4: I've yes, seen those videos. yes. They're like dropping from the ceiling. I mean, it isn't. They're intense.
2: Uh, so nature's opportunistic. So. so. I read a book, and forgive me for I don't remember the name. It was something like After Humans on Earth. So what happens? And so the –
4: Oh, yeah, by uh, Alan – yeah, The World Without Us? It might be. There's been been several
2: in that genre. It's amazing that it's even a genre. I'm impressed that that's a genre. Like people are really trying to get ready for when we're not here. And who's going to read the book when that happens? So, <laughs> That's right. Who buys the book then? So the question is, how come rats aren't bigger than they are? Because they're the right size to still escape from you in the pipes that we have for our sewage. If they're so big that their ass can't fit back through the thing, they die. Okay? So the, there's no evolutionary pressure To have big rats because they wouldn't be able to hide from us. But if we're not here, then there's, then they're not limited by the size of their ass relative to the pipe they want to crawl into. And they would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we know that mammals, mammals have hardly anything constraining their size. I mean, the biggest animal there ever was is alive today. And it's a, it's a, it's a whale. Okay, this the the blue whale and the biggest animal on Earth. Okay, is is the African elephant? But uh, now, I guess uh, you know some dinosaurs are bigger in the past. But mammals have no trouble getting big on the in the evolutionary tree. So maybe it is our existence that's tamping down the size of rats.
4: I never thought about the importance of the size of the ass of a rat. <laughs> I never oh, contemplated uh, okay, this. sorry.
2: Whatever is their widest part, <laughs> whether or not it's their <laughs> ass. Actually, I think they have narrow asses. Right. I'm talking about right. their
3: midsection, perhaps. No, whenever I see a rat, I'm like, could you turn around? I just want to see. <laughs> wow, you need to go to the gym. <laughs> That's usually what I say to, when I say, does a this rat.
4: make my ass look big?
3: <laughs> does, does this does pipe make, my, does ass this pipe make my ass look big? Does the city's infrastructure make my ass look big? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the other thing you say in the book is that sort of like pretty animals, we tend to fight harder for, like the the mountain lion, the cougar, right? The, the yeah, California right. mountain, lion, yeah. right? Sort of like it's sort of yeah, the... Prettier. yeah, yeah, it yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be fought for, but because it's a kind of cuter and prettier, right,
2: so isn't it? Just whether they have a furry tail, isn't it? All come down to that. It's really yeah, because <laughs> you
4: look at a roof rat and you like you right face on, so you can't see the tail. A squirrel and a roof rat. You cannot tell the difference. They're both really cute. And
2: right. then you see the hairless tail, and then you, then you see don't
4: that like that's it immediately. Exactly.
3: Right. Well, what, is that? Not, what does that say about you, Neil, that you would judge the rat based on its look? I didn't I know. I'm talking about other people who do it's, that. It's, he has,
2: <laughs> uh, he's got a rat. That rat has species. inner value,
3: man. It has an inner sense of. You know, itself. some people say they don't
2: see color. I don't see species. <laughs> 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 I,
3: I just see big asses on rats <laughs> yeah. and small asses on rats. Um, should we do uh, yeah, another a couple one more. more? Yeah, no, <laughs> keep coming. A couple more. All right, okay. This is Quentin. We all know that humans destroy nature to build cities and other infrastructure, but humans themselves are part of nature. Do you think it's even possible for an advanced uh, civilization of at least our human capabilities to sustain a better balance between wildlife and the civilization itself?
4: Oh, yeah, I think we can do a lot better, starting where it's uh, just, just starting with uh you know look at something like rats and raccoons i mean they're they're a problem when you've got something in your building or your attic or your garage that they want a place to nest or something to eat, so get rid of that, figure well, out a way
3: to raccoons have those creepy hands, you know
4: they got
2: yes. like yeah
3: Damn. yeah 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 it's a it's like that guy that never can find his wallet at dinner you know the hands never go deep in, like the little like yeah it's like yeah it's but you know you're right about that we had something in our in went in our chimney and down and it sounded it was a scratching 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 and it was like oh my god there's a rat in the thing what did i do i went and i got a, i got a baseball bat and i was ready to you know beat it and turned out to be a bird but still it freaked me out and my instinct wasn't to be civil about it at all it was, right you know and here's my house which encroached on yeah. its right. environment right. Right.
4: yeah 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 exactly yeah, i crushed no, they, it though
3: with the bat oh yeah. what a home run i hit no <laughs> i'm just kidding no.
4: a little birdie you killed yeah. a little birdie Aww. yeah so we are quite, what,
2: i think the word is speciesist where we prefer some species yeah, right. over others but like right, i said exactly. I, don't, I don't i don't see species so I'm I'm Yeah, I mean that's a wokeness that the I'm still waiting <laughs> for the world to catch up to me. Oh, no, no. You are so ahead on that
4: wokeness. So. <laughs> I looked at I looked at the endangered there's like there's hundreds of endangered or threatened fish. Okay, they're like these species of sardine and sprat and and like gillfish and lungfish, but it's like nobody nobody raises money for them. Right. The fish, the endangered... Because they're not very attractive and cute.
2: And what gets me is, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they fish for tuna with nets and they accidentally grab a dolphin. Yeah. There's people trying to say, save the dolphins, only catch tuna with, with a line line caught. And I'm thinking... What about the tuna? <laughs> is anybody worried about the tuna? <laughs> they just they just that's, netted hundreds of tuna and you're yeah. worried about the one dolphin?
4: I mean, so that's that's, that's exactly that that's what the, dolphin, the dolphins me. are saying. They're like, yeah. "Why?" What is it? What did we do to them? What did we do to them? <laughs> yeah, but the dolphin's
3: got that you know permanent smile on its face, but there could be like a bad, evil dolphin that totally really needs to be, you know, it's like- It's to, all up front. You know, like a really not that happy, like <laughs> flipper dolphin. we're you know all okay
2: eating a turkey sandwich, a chicken sandwich, a beef sandwich, a pork sandwich,
3: but if someone served dolphin sandwich, oh, no. Oh, you can't have oh a dolphin no. sandwich. <laughs>
1: oh,
3: my God. That's because it was in a TV show. you <laughs> need these a TV species, show. If, it's all about TV. If you can get your own TV show, animal, human, vegetable, no one's going to with you. You are set. Just before we wrap up, you know, you have an interesting thing you say in the book. 2,000 species in 200 countries create acts that put them at odds with man. That's a pretty big number. I didn't realize that.
4: Yeah, you know what? I kind of just pulled that out of my ass, that number.
3: Yeah, it seemed that way.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it,
3: or, or did you pull it out a, of a big ass of a rat? I pulled you it out of a, a, rat's,
4: a rat's ass, <laughs> as it was because I was stuck in a pipe. And I could uh, that's get a sign ass. that we
2: need to end this program. <laughs>
4: uh. Uh, Mary, it's a delight to have
2: you. So, so Mary, try to put fewer years between your books so we can have you on more often. I'll I'll do my best. Books are all fun and I have so many of them on my shelf. And they are, um, you know, not many science writers decide to just sort of have fun (laughs) with the intersection of humans and science.
4: It's you and me, Neil. You and and
2: me. And still learn something for having written it. And this is what you're doing. And so you, as far as I'm concerned, occupy a unique niche in the science writing landscape. So thank you for existing. Okay, now go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> go back to your cave. <laughs> uh, Mary, always great to have you. And thanks for being such a friend of our show. Uh, oh, I you, love you guys. you come to my office and multiple times, and you've been a, a, a wonderful guest. And we, we look forward to uh, this book, and, which just came out. And, and who's your publisher? Just so people are publishing. W.W. Norton. W, I, I, I did not know that because they, they have yeah. six of my books. Hi Paul, always good to have you back on. Thanks for uh, coming into visit. Thank
3: business. you. A lot of fun. Every, Enjoy the every, book, every, Mary. Every
2: it's now. great. Thank book.
4: you, Paul. Thank you so much.
2: All right. This has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition, all about Mary Roach's latest book on the encroachment of animals into civilization and vice versa. Neil deGrasse Tyson here for Star Talk, as always. <laughs>